Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 21st of September, 2023. It's Thursday, folks. It's almost the weekend. Call in sick tomorrow. Pretend whatever and uh, enjoy an extra long weekend on me. If anything happens, give them my name and make sure that they have no connection and understand that I had nothing to do with it. Just kidding. Anyway, welcome to the program. Don't forget to support the show and listen to extra content and all that good stuff at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter locals.com. Appreciate the support. You can enter all the contests and all that stuff there. So check it out. All right. I thought about this and I was going to go out and I was going to gather all this audio of Merrick Garland up on Capitol Hill today oh man there was fireworks they say merrick garland doesn't remember did he talk to anybody about hunter biden i can't know oh well no maybe i did he sounds like a doddering old fool because he is but honestly my inner cynic got the better of me when i was sitting down to capture all this audio and i listened to it before i you know make sure i've got the good quality and make sure i've got the right bits and everything i listened to it and i came to the realization that A, it's been played to death, podcasts, and conservative, quote-unquote, talk radio probably played this to death, and they'll likely play it again today. Why? Because not a lot of original thought out there. But it, my inner cynic just made me stop. Say, this is, this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. Nothing in Merrick Garland's testimony, I guess you call it testimony, before the House of Representatives matters at all. Nothing will come of it. It was all made for cable television and made for social media crap. That's all it was. Hey, what about this? Hey, what? I can't talk. He can't talk about anything. Republicans want to give speeches. Democrats want to give defenses. You got Hank Johnson up there basically giving him a hand job out of the table. Oh, you're so wonderful. You're a wonderful, wonderful person. Just don't go on to Guam because you'll tip that sucker over. It, it, congressional hearings are a damn joke. They've been bad. They've been pathetic for a very long time. But now they're just beyond parody. They are a complete waste of taxpayer money and time. And I I take no pleasure in saying that, but you just sit there and you watch this crap and you go, what? to what end is here? You've got five minutes. Okay, you've got five minutes. What are you going to get to the bottom of in five minutes when literally the clock starts running? The second you open your mic, your clock starts running. And the second you shut your mouth and the witness tries to answer, you can't force a witness to answer. They can wait you out. They can go, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Or could you repeat that again? Or uh, where are you getting that information from? They can, five minutes seems like a lot of time. If I told you to sit down and stare at a clock with a second hand for five minutes and not say anything and try not to make a, it would be a really interesting thought experiment. Try not to make a single sound. Don't swallow, don't cough, don't clear your throat, don't shuffle around, don't move. Sit in a room and try to make no sound whatsoever except for maybe breathing. 
I mean, I, I got to breathe, but except that whatever sound, you shouldn't be breathing like you just ran a marathon and you got some health problems, but just your regular breathing. Try it for five minutes. It would be the longest five minutes of your life. You'd swear it was 10 or 15 minutes. You'd just get there and go, what in the hell? This is going on forever. Your mind would wander. You'd end up shuffling. You would make some noise. I promise you, you would make some noise. Time never moves as slowly as it does when you're acutely aware of it. It flies when you're not. But if you are up there on Capitol Hill testifying and somebody's trying to make you look bad or trying to even nail you, whatever it is, embarrass you, all you got to do is run out five minutes. It won't be that five minutes you're staring at the clock. It'll be two minutes of that blowhard setting up. That blowhard telling you, here's everybody, everybody look at me, I'm about to ask these questions, I'm going to really do everything I can, because I find what you've done at the department a disgrace, and I got to tell you this, that, and the other thing, and how is it, why did you make this decision, why didn't you, uh, well, I, I didn't actually have much to do with that, well, what did you have with that trend, well, I can't remember exactly when it first happened to me, and then, boom, five minutes is up, your time has expired, it doesn't help that you've got this disgusting corrupt democrats sitting there with the stopwatch going the second the thing goes oh the gentleman's time has expired hey hey he's his time's expired are we gonna get extra time are we gonna get extra time <clears throat> what do you want with your extra time in five minutes do you think there's a square millimeter of the witnesses asked that you will not be able to kiss two or three times it's not Jerry Nadler. There ain't that much real estate on Merrick Garland's But You're going to have plenty of time to go all the way around the world 15 to 16 times. But they just whine and complain and turn it into a show. It really... I maybe want to revise my high school with paychecks things. It's junior high or elementary school with paychecks. There are a bunch of children. The impeachment inquiry when they get around to holding hearings could be different it could be different maybe the stakes will be higher maybe they will take it more seriously the democrats maybe the republicans will be smarter about it but i've seen very little evidence that leads me to believe that any of them will be Yes, Merrick Garland said he didn't remember for a minute uh, he didn't know if he'd ever talked to anybody about hunter biden okay that caused a stir. He yelled at somebody else. I love this crap. The uh, FBI sends out a memo encouraging people, hey, you should infiltrate Catholic churches. There's a lot of extremist Catholics. Basically target people for their religious beliefs because the Democrats have decided that white Christians, white Christian males, are the biggest threat to the world. And it's weird because they're all led by white Christian males, or at least white males that claim they're Christians. Um, and so somebody pointed this out, and Merrick Garland clutches his pearls and goes, I did, that anybody would assert this, that I would discriminate based on religion with somebody with my background of my family. Allegedly his uh, grandparents or great-grandparents or whatever, somebody in his lineage was allegedly a Holocaust survivor. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. All I know is I don't care. All I know is it is irrelevant. That's all I know about I'm sorry. I know it's politically incorrect to say, but it's true. My somebody in my family, he's 70 years old, so it wasn't him. It probably wasn't his parents. 
So I would say it is grandparents. Maybe one of his grandparents was Jewish and went and uh, survived the Holocaust and good for them. That does not give you a get out of responsibility free card. There are plenty of people whose ancestors have been through some really bad stuff who did really bad things, right? It's not like, hey, Merrick, you want to go beat the hell out of somebody because of their religion? No, no. My grandfather survived the Holocaust. Oh, all right. Well, then never mind. No, you are an individual. You are not, especially, you know, you don't sit around, you don't think about it all the time. I promise you, this is the thing that drives me nuts about the left, is they act as though experience is passed down through genetics. It's not how it works, all right? I don't know much about my family beyond my grandparents. My, eh, I've heard some stories, I guess, about great-grandparents. That's about it. That's about it. There aren't things that happened in 1820 to somebody who's on my family tree that impact me to this day, except for maybe from a genetic standpoint. But in general, what they did, what they went through, they've been through some stuff, or maybe they caused people to go through some stuff. I don't know. I don't care. Glory is not inheritable. Guilt is not inheritable. Period. End of story. But Merrick Garland uses it as a defense, which is really, when you think about it, kind of gross. <laughs> I would, you're discriminating against, you're targeting Catholics, you're targeting people because of their political and religious beliefs. Oh, I would never do such a thing. Uh, my ancestors survived the Holocaust. Okay. Yeah, maybe they did. I guess they did. But you actually are doing that thing. Somebody in the FBI, which you're the boss of, ultimately, where it reports to you, um, wrote the memo, right? It's not like it's in dispute. We're hearing stories that the FBI wrote this memo. We have yet to see it, but how dare you? Oh, I haven't seen the memo either, and you can't... Pr no, we've got the memo. It's the official policy. We've also seen you know, story after story after story about how religious conservatives particularly in protesting abortion, are arrested and prosecuted to the, I can't even say the fullest extent of the law. It's beyond the fullest extent of the law. They're making stuff up. Meanwhile, you know, you throw a Molotov cocktail at a cop, try and burn down a courthouse with people in it. No big deal. Actually, your group, you'll get a nice big settlement from the city because the police were mean to you. Yeah, when the police... They pushed you to the ground and stopped you from shining a green laser into the light of a police officer, in the eye of a police officer, blinding them. And then they pushed you to the ground. They broke a nail and you just had them done. OK, so you need to get a slice of the three million dollars that these left wing cities are doing. It is, you know, the Nazis funded their brown shirts, not with government money. They funded it with their own private money, I believe. Now they've evolved. They've recognized that uh, our current crop of Nazis are funding the brown shirts with tax dollars. They just funnel. They do it right out in the open. Um, you just spent a week rioting, doing tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of dollars worth of damage to these cities. And now you're going to sue because of the way you were treated 
by the police when they finally arrested your handcuffs were a little tight. I'm so sorry for your loss. We're going to settle with a group of 15 of you. It's always the leaders. The 15 of you, we're going to give you uh, $8 million. I hope you can survive that. If you're going to make a RICO charge against BLM and Antifa, you have to include the liberal governments of these cities that are offering up these settlements to these people because that's who's funding them now. It used to be all done through the dark web and through DM messages and everything, but they realized that there would probably be some enterprising FBI agent somewhere along the line who wasn't a complete gimp for the Democratic Party who might I don't know, look into that stuff. So having that stuff in writing in messages is probably not a smart thing to do. So they just went right to the city. They suckled the government teat and the Democrats there were more than happy to do it. It's disgusting. It's perverse. But nothing came of that for those people. I hope the next Republican president actually does go after those people, but I, I'm not holding my breath I'm not holding my breath. Forget the, don't forget these people came to prominence during the Trump administration. These people rioted for a whole summer in the Trump administration. And he didn't do squat. He didn't do, the one thing I remember them doing is they, they were going to tear down the statue of Andrew Jackson in front of the White House. And finally, they stepped in and did it. Finally, they stepped in and did it. Federal courthouses were under assault, and the talk was like, well, we're going to do something. We might send in troops. How about you defecate or get off the pot, okay? Yeah, you might get slapped down by the courts after the fact, but after the fact is implicit that the fact has stopped, that the riots have been stopped, that the people have been uh, have ended the siege. Have, they were liberated from these people. A lot of bitching, not a lot of action. If Trump gets back in there, I expect, actually, if any Republican gets back in there, expect the riots to continue at pace. And I hope whoever it is this time has the balls to go all out and say, I'm going, we're stopping this crap. We're stopping this crap. You want your city to burn? Fine, I'm sorry. But no, if the police officer somewhere can be charged with federal civil rights violations, then all of these goon squad rioters can be charged with federal civil rights violations of the police officers they're trying to kill. If there are more than them, there's a conspiracy, and you can roll in the RICO. You can go after everything about them and anybody they've talked to about this. You can really do damage to these people. You can do to these people what these people want done and are doing, usually to poor black communities. Wouldn't that be nice? But I'm sorry, the Attorney General sitting up on Capitol Hill for a few hours with a couple of flourishes of how dare yous and self-righteous congressmen trying to nail him in five minutes. It's not news. It's a waste of time. I get it. It makes for good things. And sometimes you want to watch the home run highlight you know, your your team, your guy on your team, he hit a home run. Man, look at that thing. He hit it 479 feet. Look at that sucker fly. All right, there were two men on a three-run homer. Well, you lost seven to three, okay? So you don't win by inning. 
you win the game or you lose the game. You don't win by interrogation up on Capitol Hill, particularly, and these show things where there's a five. I mean, the Republicans control the House of Representatives. They set the rules, for God's sakes. If they can't bring themselves to set the rules in a way that makes sense where they can actually accomplish something, then there's no point. What's the point? What's the point in having the hearing in the first place? Honestly, I hope to God these people pull their heads out of their rear ends before any hearing on impeachment, any inquiry on impeachment. Not that it's going to make, there's not a single Democrat who's going to give a damn. You get Joe Biden up there on the stand and he could pull a Jack Nicholson and say, I did it, you're damn right I did it and I'd do it again. I got a lot of sexual assault charges, uh, civil cases to pay off, settlements to pay from grabbing women and trying to rape them in the hallway and sniffing women's hair and whatever. I need that money. And you'd have Jamie Raskin and Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi out there at the cameras going, he's such a brave man. He's such a brave man. And he's redistributing his wealth to young women. Yeah, uh, he's paying off women he sexually assaulted. No, no, that's one way to look at it if you really want to be a right winger. But otherwise, he is uh, redistributing his wealth. He could have just given it to his children, but he has instead decided to redistribute his wealth to these young women who worked for him the ones he didn't ruin, and the ones brave enough to come forward through his threats. God, it's just, it drives me nuts. I absolutely hate everything about these people. I hate it. Speaking of people that are hate-worthy, that are disgusting, but this is a bit funny. Ibram X. Kendry, I think his name is like Henry Jones or something. It's a real name. But he changed his name to Ibram X. Kendy because if you're going to play the race card for a living, you, you can't be named Henry or whatever the hell his name was. So he did that and he became a professor. And now he's got the Center for Being a Race race Victim, or whatever the hell it is. Center for Anti... And now the Washington Free Beacon has this story, and I love it because this is what happens. This is BLM, but on an individual basis. Ibram Kendi's Center for Anti-Racist Research hasn't produced any research. There's your headline. It hasn't produced any research. It's right there in the name. Hmm. Ibram X. Kendi's Center for Anti-Racist Research made headlines this month when it announced it would axe a third of its workforce. But those layoffs may not have much of an impact considering the center has hardly produced any original research at all. Yeah, no, it's, it's sad. A whole bunch of race grifters. See, what Ibram X. Kendi is hoping for is another black man dies in custody doesn't matter if he's a junkie. doesn't matter if he's currently overdosing. doesn't matter if he's trying to shoot cops or anything like that. It's just that if they can raise money off of it from corporate America, because Ibram don't, don't mess with individual donors, not, not like all those other suckers do. He, he'll take the money, don't get me wrong, but he wants the corporate money. Boston University-based Center has produced just two original research papers since its founding in June 2020, according to the Washington Free Beacon Review. Output from the center's scholars largely consists of op-eds or commentary posted on the center's website. The group plans to, quote, maintain the nation's largest online database of racial inequity data in the United States, quote, end quote, quickly fizzled out. And the database has been dormant since 2021. 
millions, tens of millions of dollars. Center for Anti-Racist Research is the largest left-wing group to fall on hard times, the latest left-wing group to fall on hard times. George Soros' Open Society Foundation, which gave $140,000 to Kendi's center, cut 40% of its staff in June. The Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation revenues fell 88% from 2021 to 2022 as support for the movement plummeted to an all-time low. It's unclear how much money remains in the Center for Anti-Racist Research Coffers. Boston University did not respond to request for comments. I think the tech, some tech billionaires were given, they got somewhere around $10 million. Let me just put it this way. Ibram X. Kendi is not renting an apartment. He doesn't live in a one-bedroom apartment. He doesn't live in a one-bedroom house. He, I bet you uh, quite well, is living large. Because why? Because that's how it works. These top-heavy organizations that don't produce anything. Ibram Kendi can't be expected to produce anything. He wrote a book called Raising an Anti-Racist Baby or whatever the hell it was. Indo- literally calling for the indoctrination of children. He is not very bright. If you've ever heard the man speak, you sit there and you go, what the hell? You can't define racism. You can't define, it'd be more, his attempts at trying to define racism would be more honest, slightly, if he just said, uh, it is the means by which I make a living and the only thing I'm qualified to whine about and otherwise I'd be homeless were it not for that word. That's basically it. It's basically what he does. I swear to God, I watch this happen and I think, we can't get any dumber as a society. And then every single day, some leftist comes along and says, hold my latte. I absolutely can. This, for example, Deadline Hollywood. I love this. All the late night leftists formed, see, they're out. They can't, they're not funny people, even with writers, but they're leftists. So they have to pretend that they care about the writer's strike. So they, they've got tens of millions. Of, they're paid a fortune to do this crap shows and they're not hurting for cash at all it's the grips and the gaffers and everybody who works behind the scenes they're hurting like crazy now they could come back and do the show without writers but none of them colbert kimmel who the hell's the other one uh, fallon and the um, who's the, uh, the stupid guy uh, seth seth whatever the hell his name is they're just not funny people they're not they're angry people and they're dumb so they're stupid and they're angry but they're arrogant which is like the trifecta of danger if you actually the perfect progressive trifecta well they formed a group of uh, podcasters because they thought the world needed to hear from them and it was a strike force five but then only three of them were going to be a participant in this um oh seth myers Okay, and John Oliver. Everybody thinks John Oliver's smart because he's got a British accent. Uh, it would be nice if John Oliver... I'd like to see John Oliver try to wing it. I'd like to see John Oliver try to do a half an hour of television, uh, just him and his thoughts and an argument. And since he's a member of the Writers Guild, he wouldn't be able to type it out. So he'd have to actually wing it. I mean, he could memorize it. He could think about it ahead of time, but he would not be able to type it out. That's how stupid the rules are in this this business. But I'd like to see him try and wing it. 
I would love to see any of these people try to do a half an hour of content a week without a single note. They can't do it. But anyway, Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert, and Jimmy Fallon were all going to get together and they were going to do a live event for money. For I don't know who was going to get the money. Probably them. Maybe they were going to give it to somebody else. Maybe they were going to give it to the strikers or something. They probably would be in trouble. It's going to be in Vegas. Jimmy Kimmel, I think, owns a club out there in Vegas because, you know, he's just a fat everyman. So they were the Strike Force 3. Well, now Deadline Hollywood is reporting that the show has been canceled. Why? Because Jimmy Kimmel has contracted COVID. It was supposed to be this Saturday. <laughs> he said, quote, he could never live with himself if he got himself, if I got uh, my hometown friends sick. Why, your hometown friends not vaccinated, Jimmy? You're a big, obedient leftist, Jimmy. You would put on the gimp outfit and you wouldn't even need the ball gag. If you were told to just stop whining, you'd just stop whining. You are a very, very good dog. So what is the problem? Why didn't you? Oh, yeah, you got the shot. You got all the shots. You got every shot. And now what happened? How could you possibly have gotten COVID? If Maybe you needed another booster. Can you go get another booster? Is it too late to get another booster? I love this crap because they'll never answer these questions. They'll never talk about it. They'll never sit around and, and recognize the hypocrisy and stupidity of their own existence. It's just not how the left works. It's not how the liberal mind works. But it should. It's kind of funny, don't you think? This guy's sitting there. We need to... Oh, his whole monologue is about being obedient to the state. Be obedient to the state get the shot people who don't get the shot should be whatever you can fire them you can do this you can do that you can do the other thing all right oh wait i've gotten 15 shots 16 shots if only i gotten the 17th shot i wouldn't have to cancel this show hmm well jimmy okay you got covid that stinks but just wear a mask put a mask on it'll be fine right i mean that's what you've been telling people Throw a mask over that. Honestly, nobody wants to see your face anyway. So throw a mask over it. Put a get back to the Democrats' roots. Put a hood over it. Get an N95 hood and throw that over your head and go and do your show. Just make sure that everybody there has, you know, their shots. What could possibly go wrong? I don't know. Can you tell I hold these people in the, the most genuine of contempt? Because I really, honestly, truly do. They're all really bad people. And speaking of really bad people, I want to leave you with this. This will be the longest clip I've ever played on this show. But there is no reason to cut it. It is a slice of perfection in and of itself. The uh, Barstool Sports, the head, the owner of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy. He had, uh, they have event. he's raised tens of millions of dollars during COVID to keep small businesses open. He's got a, a bit that he does about uh, taste testing pizzas around the country and everything. And they were doing a, a fundraising event for pizza parlors because there's hurting small businesses are hurting. Thanks, Joe Biden. And it was going to raise a bunch of money. It still will raise a bunch of money. But the Washington Post caught wind of this. A reporter named Amy Heil. Yeah. And let that sit there for a second. Amy Heil 
is her name. And she was emailing around to the sponsors of this event. Say, nobody ever went to the Black Lives Matter sponsors and said, hey, you know what? They're basically in bed with Antifa. And Antifa has a body count. And BLM members have a body count, too. Are you uh, okay with you having your company associated with two groups that have body counts of police officers and average citizens? That email was never sent from the Washington Post. That fact was never reported in the Washington Post. They wouldn't do that. Like I say, they're all very obedient dogs. Well, they contacted the sponsors for this pizza event to fundraise for small businesses, and the one of the big sponsors sent the email that this so-called reporter, Emily Heil, <clears throat> I don't know what her middle name is, but I wonder if it's seat now. Uh, so they uh, they sent it to Dave Portnoy. Dave Portnoy did what everybody should do. All the time I hear these conservatives bitching about these reporters are investigating. They're trying to do a story on me. They're trying to do it. And then they'll read a, an email. They reached out to me for comment. And here's what they said. Well, I'm not going to call them back and screw them. And then they go off on a 20-minute rant about how tough they are standing up to the written word by somebody who had some questions for them. Dave Portnoy doesn't play that game. He doesn't tuck anything between his legs. He goes right to the source. He calls Emily Heil. He records it. And he calls her out. And it's an absolutely beautiful thing. It is 11 minutes and change long, but it is worth listening to because anybody out there who has figurative balls should do this. This is how it needs to be done. Hey, Emily, this is Dave Portnoy calling. Uh, I'm recording you right now, but... I've noticed a bunch of people. You're, it seems like you're sending. We have this pizza fest happening on Saturday, and you're reaching out to our advertisers, and you're basically sending an email that says to the effect, Dave's a misogenic racist. Do you want to defend yourselves advertising at this event, right? I'm sorry. What's your name, Dave? I'm sorry. Who are you? I'm the guy you're writing the article about, Dave Portnoy. Oh, you're Dave Portnoy. Oh, hey, how are you? Good. Good. No, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't said anything like that. I'm well, I, I can. I can read, if you want. If you want, I can read what you actually sent. I have it. Yeah. Yeah. Read because I, I sent a bunch of notes, so I want to make sure I know which one. Okay. Uh, we are planning to write about the festival and how and how some of the sponsors and participants have drawn criticism by seemingly to associate themselves with Dave Portnoy, who has a history of misogynic comments and other problematic behavior. I want to make sure that Blank had a chance to respond to this since the company is the most prominent and they're partners of his festival. Oh, that's the one I sent to which was definitely the most pointed of them because I really did want them to respond and I was hoping to get something from them. Do you think that's fair? Like, I, I totally disagree with the assertions of what you said, that misogenic and all that stuff. So, like, it kind of backs people into a corner. So I'm happy to go over anything. I mean, you have... That is pretty pointed. You said you didn't do it. Then I have the exact evidence of you doing it. So no, I didn't say I didn't do that. I said I did. That was the one that was the most. Pointed. Well, no, you, you that went before I before I provided proof. You said you didn't really remember doing that. And then I read it to you and you're like, oh, yeah, I did it that one time. So you did do it. Um, I'm happy to talk about the comments because to me, it's kind of like torturous interference. Like we're doing an event. 
Everyone's happy about the event. Uh, you know, I've raised fifty million for small business. I've helped pizza. None of that. It's Dave's misogenic and problematic, and I'm happy to talk about it because to me, nobody would like if someone's going around sending that email to their sponsors. And again, you're not like questioning. You're. you're it's almost like a statement of fact. This is what I am. Yeah. So um, I do want to talk to you about this, um, and I just want you to know that. <laughs> The story I'm working on, I'm working on with a colleague, um, and I want to kind of loop him on this because we did want to talk to you. And we were when were you, when were you going to reach out? We were planning on doing it tomorrow morning, hmm. but um, so you're going to write the article and then give me like I've had that a bunch. People write no, a full no, article and then give me the points no, no, after. We're doing a bunch of, no, we're doing a bunch of reporting, and we wanted to make sure that when we finally did talk to you, we could really kind of present what you know or talk about things more fully based on like what, what like it sounds like you have your opinion made of me based on no, that email no, no. Uh -uh. so no, then no, how no. if you don't have your opinion made of me how do you say in an intro email dave portnoy has a history of misogenic comments and other problematic behavior that's how you introduce the email yeah so look i just want you to know that this is no i, I want to talk to you about this but um I don't you think you should talk to me before sending that email what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk to you when we had we were to have some specific questions for you. And so I wanted to kind of have the full idea of what we were That's not a full idea. What? Like you, the, anybody who's rationally reading that email being sent to an advertiser would have to be like, this is a hit piece and you have your mind made up. Why else oh, would you no. put? No, you, but no. You, you call me in the intro. I'll say it again. Dave Portman has a history of misogenic comments and other problematic behavior. You didn't say Dave Portman raised $50 million for small business. Dave Portman saved thousands of pizza places. You didn't mention, you said it in a way that is putting sponsors on the defensive. So what I worried about when we contacted you, I was worried that we would have sort of one shot to talk to you, right? And so what I wanted to do is make everything we were gonna that we wanted to talk to you about before i reached out to you that's why that's why i was waiting to call you because you wanted to have everything together before you talked to me i gotta be honest this sense like something who's gonna hit me last second be like comments and all this negative stuff no this is like uh, this is kind of standard journalistic stuff like we unfortunately yes i have been an open book and willing to sit down with anybody at any time. And this all stems, by the way, from a guy who wrote an article that for 13 years, 13 years, has been tweeting negatively about me because he doesn't like me. So half the stuff he talks about didn't even exist. The guy doesn't like me, and now you're going to run with this on the Washington Post. And anybody who's listening to this to think you were going to give me a fair chance when you're leading to our sponsors before you talk to me is crazy. Okay. Um, can we set up a time to talk tomorrow? Would that be okay? Like, I want to talk to you. I really do. I just want to make sure, like, I've got all my questions ready and stuff to talk to you about. Would that be okay? Can we set up a time? I want to see the article before you do it. 
you know, it's not really, we, we can't do that. And why can't you do, why can't you do that? Because all I do when I, is I validate all the stuff you're about to make up against me. I have been hit with the same things over and over, and they're all so wildly out of context. It's insane to say at this point in the game, when you've already written to the sponsors, let me say it again. Dave Portnoy has a history of misogenic comments and other problematic behavior i catch you off guard on a phone call and now you're like no we planned on talking to you tomorrow like the washington post which is a wildly left-leaning publication you have things you've said you hate trump you hate elon not that i'm those people to think you're gonna give me a fair shake i wasn't born yesterday I wanted to talk to you and as part of my reporting like we haven't written the story we won't have written it by the time we talk to you like this is talking to you I would hope is going to be a big part of our reporting and, and a big part of the story so I'm really hoping I do that but I want to give you a chance if we're gonna you know anything specific we're gonna include in the story but I just don't have it all in front of me because I'm working with another reporter and I want to make sure that we you know, have as full conversation as we can. What have. was the thesis of this article you're writing? I don't work with theses. I'm just reporting. It's just, you know, it's just you're an interesting guy. This is, you have an interesting role in this industry, and we just want to look at it. That's all. It That's seemed it. like you were going to try to shame sponsors for being associated with me and put them in a box when I know they all love me, but nobody wants the Washington Post writing an article sponsor associated with misogenic you know, racist piece of shit. Nobody wants that. And you, that's what you're trying to do. And even on this call, it's pretty clear that's what you were trying to do. You don't have the facts for me. What I might have said on this call that would give you that impression. My, all I've said on this call. Well, we started the call. We started the call with you saying you never said anything negative. And then I read back an email like, oh, I did on that one. I said that I sent a number of emails and that one was the most pointed because I was really trying to press them to respond. But I, I, I really, in what I've been and what I've been asking people about, I'm just asking people what they're doing. I'm just asking people about, you know, how they came to participate and how they view it. That's now. That's but you could have just as easily said, "What's your involvement? Are you proud to be involved with somebody who has done so much for the pizza and service industry?" Right? That could have been an email. Can we set up a time tomorrow to talk? I mean, really, I, I wanna, I wanna get into all of it. Well, I don't know if I trust you yet, so I, I'd want more. I want to see everything that you've been asking these people. Like again, I don't think there's any. The generally why I don't do this at the last minute is because if you really wanted to get my perspective, it wouldn't be me calling you. You would have already reached out to me in a fair manner. Hey, hey, sorry about that. I got it like a call that came in in the middle of it. Okay. No, I was just saying, I was going to call you. I really wanted to talk with you. I want to have a really full conversation. That's why. So can, what time? Can I'm, I'm more than willing to have an open conversation about anything if the okay. article is not written. I'm afraid with what I'm seeing already here, all it does is it validates a hit piece. I swear. <laughs> I have not written <laughs> have not written the story, believe me. Have you made your mind up about me? We're, we're in the reporting phase. I don't, you know, I can't. Uh, for me to say and I'm also I'm working with somebody else but that seems like a pretty straightforward question that have you made your mind up about me if you can't answer that I no can say, I can say I have not made my mind up about you then I why know. would you include that in the in the email to sponsors 
because I was hoping for a dialogue with them. You know, it's sometimes you have to say something like, this is like, you know, it's sort of a reporting tactic when you want someone to respond, you kind of have to indicate that there might be something negative and then you get them to engage. That's all I was trying to do. I really wanted them to engage with me. That is a sad state of journalism. If that's a tactic that you have to, what I would say is make up something about somebody. There might be some, there might be something negative. And so you want to give people a chance to respond and have a conversation with you. That's what I was trying to do. But at the same time, you're saying you don't know that that's actually truth. So you're, you're leading with something that you haven't done enough research to know if it's valid. I'm I'm saying there might be a fuller picture and that's what I want to talk to you about. And I want to set up a time tomorrow morning, maybe like 10. Are you free at 10? I got to do more research on you. I, I still don't have the vibe that you're go- like that you're going to give me any sort of fair shake. Okay. Well, that's so let- fair. I can tell you, and I'll, let me tell you the name. If you want to like, you want to look into me, you want to look, my colleague um, that I'm working with on the story, his name is Tim Carmen. He's also a food reporter at the post. And it, I'd love for both of us to be on the call and just, you know, we can talk. Um, I'm happy to, you know, I definitely want some on the record stuff, but if there's stuff you want to tell me that you want to tell me on background or off the record, we can talk about all. No, I'm always on the record. There's nothing I would ever say that is off the record. I like that. (laughs) I like that a lot. Um, Okay. So um, maybe you want to say tentatively 10 o'clock tomorrow. Yes, I'll confirm tentatively. Now, the one thing I'd always ask, just like this is being recorded, I would record the interview tomorrow. didn't have a chance to hit record so i didn't i'm not recording this call but i get that you are that's totally fine i always anticipate that you know what i'm saying is going to be recorded or be used i get that okay so that that is a good step in establishing some degree of trust so as you're fine with me recording tomorrow then let's do uh 10 a.m tomorrow okay do you want to call me on this number sure yes okay Okay, great. He called her out. He nailed her. Well, I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, no, you did. You did. Here you go. Oh, well, uh, I <laughs> I sent one email like that. The other ones were all about sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, I'm sure that they were. It'll be interesting to see whether or not... I mean, the Washington Post now, since Portnoy called them out on it, and Portnoy has uh, 2.9 million followers on Twitter... Portnoy called him out on it by videotaping and, and recording this conversation and blasting it out in its entirety. The Washington Post now has to do a story. Still, like normally, if Portnoy had just recorded this or Portnoy had just done this, the Washington Post probably would have said, oh, crap. He's now got us on tape. Uh, we sh- let's just not do the story. Let's just say, well, we looked into the story. There's no story there, whatever. And we'll just we'll just go on with it. But now that Portnoy put this out there, they have to do the story. They have to do the story. But they have to do a different story. They can't do the story they want to do. They want to hit Dave Portnoy. The left has been hitting Dave. I don't think Dave Portnoy is political at all. He's just an independent businessman with a I don't give an F attitude, which you got to admire. But they want. They don't like him because if you are not their, if you're their ninety nine point nine percent friend, you are their one hundred percent enemy on the left. That's just how it is. I cannot say that enough. So now it'll be interesting to see. The Washington Post has to do a story. It's too big now, but they can't do the story they wanted to do. It'll be curious to see what kind of story they end up doing. <laughs> they wanted all they really wanted to do was get sponsors to drop out. 
and they failed miserably because they're miserable people. God, all of them, miserable people. Anyway, that is enough. Take that to heart. All these uh, fake conservatives out there telling you this, I will never respond, and I'll do this, I'll do that. I'll, I'll read their email. You're super tough. Dave Portnoy put them on the defensive. He's just a sports blogger, essentially. He's a smart-ass sports blogger. And he put the big, bad Washington Post on the defense because he was smart and he was brave. The courage of his convictions. It's one thing to say you got him. It's an entire thing different to actually do something about it. So kudos to Dave Portnoy. Anyway, that is all for today. Tomorrow's Friday already, mercifully. Awesome. How awesome is that? We'll be back here to do it all over again. Have a great one. Thanks for listening. <laughs>